Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. Hi, I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my wonderful, delightful, fabulous co-host, Miss Elizabeth. It's a myth. She's the. <laughs> Am I real? <laughs> Is she even here, Miss Elizabeth Woodson? Elizabeth, how you doing? Today's a good day, Adam. Is it really? It's a good day. Of the top five things that have happened today, where does recording culture matters land on the top five? You know, recording culture matters. I think this is a uh, specific question that okay. you want a specific answer for. And I just want to make it more subjective. Okay. It's in there. It's in there. It's with in all the, the top things. Five. No, I love culture matters. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also here with Adam Hawkins. Adam, how you doing, buddy? Mythologically amazing. Oh yeah! If you could be one mythological beast, Adam, what would you be? Ooh, that's tough. The correct answer is the bald eagle, and that helps me segue. <laughs> so we segue into today's topic. We'll be talking about nationalism. So this is a one of those hot button topics that some people get fired up about. By the way, a bald eagle is not a mythological creature. I, I'm fine. fully aware of that. I would love to be a bald eagle. But my last name is Griffin, which is a mythological oh, creature. Would totally that would have been a good one to say then, Sorry. but you missed your opportunity to say Sorry. something encouraging to me. A merman. It's a merman. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth loved that for some reason. That's She's weird. imagining you. <laughs> imagining you with no legs. We're actually recording in an aquarium today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, without that, without further ado, Adam Hawkins, Elizabeth Woodson, let's talk about nationalism. All right. When we do an isms episode, which we've done a lot of this season, we like to start off with a simple definition that gets our discussion going. Today, I'm going to my uh, my local dictionary, Mr. Adam Hawkins. Adam, could you explain to us just kind of a, a basic definition? Uh, of nationalism to get us started. Yeah. So here's what's always hard about these, and you always hear me equivocate like a million times and try to nuance my way out. And as if somebody listening is going to try to call me on something, which maybe they do, uh, but I really don't care. So (laughs) go ahead if you want to. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, I think the the broad sort of idea of nationalism is this, is is that... um, I guess I'd say it's an ideology that uh, promotes the interest of nation states or the nation state to which you belong. So in that sense, it can almost be connected to patriotism, right? And I think that's the part of the definition that's maybe isn't even that controversial. It's the idea that like, hey, nations exist. You can be proud to be from your nation, you know? Yeah. Um, The part where it starts to get a little more... um, controversial, you might say, is when you start talking about nationalism as forming a national identity, that there's this singular identity that we must ascribe to, uh, and based on our shared characteristics of being a part of this nation. And a lot of times that means we have a shared culture, a shared language, a shared religion, uh, a shared politics even, mm-hmm. um, and then a belief in like a singular history, which which I'm pulling some of this just from like a Wikipedia page, to be honest with you, but I think it's a good definition. And, you know, it can break down further into that. There's ideas of ethnic nationalism and civic nationalism and, and a bunch of different things. But I think, I think really those first two I offered are sort of the ones that people probably think of when 
when they th- first think of it. Yeah. yeah, they think like in its best and least abrasive version, it would be uh, a, pr- a pride in the nation you are from. Sure. And wanting your nation to do well. And then maybe in its most uh, politically polarizing version, it would be uh, the the normalized mainstream culture of this nation is better or should be promoted over and above other nations yeah. or above other people groups. And so that could be, you could see instantly how that might be offensive to somebody who's immigrated here or yeah. somebody who is from another country or some country that uh, maybe needs help from a country. But nationalism right now is is a hot button topic in America because it's been politicized as, a, well, make America great again. Maybe some people would connect that with a nationalistic idea yeah. of our nation being uh, better. And at the same time, I don't think many people would debate, like, do we want the nation we live in to be bad? We're not trying to make our nation bad, but it is is there an arrogance or an egocentrism that comes with nationalism? I had a friend uh, that I was talking with about this not long ago, and he explained to me, he's from another country, and he said in their country, and it was an English-speaking country, but not uh, America, he said they they don't have the word patriotism, nor do they use the word patriotism. He'd never heard of that until he moved to America. The Even the idea of kind of this, let's be a winners out there, he said was uh, not uniquely American, but he said it was, it was new to him, because in his country, they didn't even have the concept of, you know, when they went to the Olympics, they're like, yeah, we want to win. But it wasn't this idea of like uh, the Americans can rally around a term that says we are very pro-America's winning. And some of the things in your definition... And that's why that country isn't as good as ours. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it has to go unnamed. I didn't want to offend anybody. Oh, gosh. But Denmark, you know who you are. <laughs> no, but Adam, some of the parts that you mentioned in that definition about how nationalism can kind of throw out multiculturalism, obviously that would be an issue in a country like ours. Elizabeth... What comes to mind when you think about what Adam's talking about? If you define what's great about nationalism is that we uh, we kind of throw out our differences, why might that be difficult in today's modern America? I think the idea when people say we throw out our differences, we all kind of level out at some standard. And so who is that going to be? And many times that ideal American, um, what we would hold alongside this this idea of nationalism doesn't include minorities, um, doesn't necessarily always include women, doesn't always, like what's normative? And we talked about that in a, in a past episode. And so I think we, the danger is we not only exclude, but then we, for lack of a better word, we say these people, groups, activities, behaviors are less than. Yeah. So you limit us from being great. And so you can't be a part of what we're trying to do here because what being great is just this limited pool of characteristics and behaviors that really only model one type of person. Yeah. And sometimes that's even done implicitly. It's not that somebody's maliciously saying, we want this to be great and therefore we're going to have to remove that. But it's because, like you said, it's a normalcy issue. It's it's thinking a normative issue. It's thinking this is what is normal, therefore it's what's good, it's what's common to me, without realizing that in saying so, you may be excluding somebody that its experience is different, or whose thoughts are different, or whose culture is different. Uh, where do we see, Adam, where do you hear about nationalism in our culture today? Well, I think it's a couple areas because I don't actually think it's always bad. Like if there is a way, if there is a way to talk aspirationally mm-hmm. about America without, without, so I'm just using America as an example, right? I mean, anyone can do this for their nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if you can talk about 
aspirationally about America and what its ideals mean and certain values that we can all get behind, there's a way that you really can unite around something. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's been done in the past, you know, uh, uh, even past presidents from different, I'm using presidents as, as an idea, but the, uh, uh, are as a mouthpiece for communicating those things, those values of our nation that we, you know, in the past, presidents from even different parties sort of held this view that we're all moving towards something together, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that America was this great thing, and we may differ about how to communicate that message to the world or, or those kind of things, but we're all sort of together in this project, right? And recently, what's scary is the the is this new idea script in that America used to be something really great, mm -hmm. and it used to be something really great until certain people started coming in. And so, and so it's kind of defined against others, Nationalism isn't so much about, man, our country's great, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. It's our country maybe needs to be great to the detriment of others, you know? And that's that would where, be it, where it gets more that's dangerous. Where, yeah, I think that's where it gets more dangerous. And, and so, yeah, I, I think you see – so where is it in our culture? I mean, I think you see it around the Olympics. It's great to be like, man, America's awesome. Uh, I think you see it. Um, especially around patriotic things, military and other things like that. Yeah. I think you can see it around history, even even in good examples. So, like, there's a way to be nationalistic about Black History Month, right? To say, like, man, this is part of who we are, and let's you know, and celebrate that together. Uh, and then I think there's a way a way to do it that's more exclusionary, if that makes sense. And I think the where I'm where we're seeing it in culture today. I would say where we're seeing it more loudly is these is the more negative ways that I've been talking yeah. about it to yep. to the exclusion of others. We need to recapture something about our identity. We need to recapture something about who we are that made us great in the past. And uh, typically, those aren't values that are uniting a bunch of people. Typically, those are values that are sort of highlighting one type yeah. of person, if that makes sense. Well, and I think you'd see it a lot in the past where maybe people have talked about America as more of like a, a world police where we have been uh, policing other people's uh, militaries yeah. or other situations. Often when it uh, – or maybe even someone would argue exclusively when it has to do governmentally with our national interests, we would be heavily involved in other nations' operations. And people would now say things like, but we need to take care of ourselves. So call back our military from that because we need to be spending more money here. We need to fix our problems here. And we need to address uh, welfare cases here. We, this is What is the – domestic issue that we can handle instead of handling an international issue. And there are both sides of the political spectrum that'll have disagreements around that, around uh, whether or not, uh, how involved we are to be in the world politic and how involved are we to be in the world's elections or in the world's military issues and, and how involved should other nations be allowed uh, to be involved in ours and and whether or not they should be allowed to immigrate here and from any nation. And so nationalism can get really easily confused with a lot of the political arguments of today. And so it ends up being uh, not empty, but kind of twisted meaning from maybe the the more innocuous version of nationalism that we've talked a little bit about. Like it gets thrown out as a version of uh, ethnocentrism for white America and less like a patriot patriotic version of let's help. I, I Yeah, I think the reason for that, though, is because none of these things happen in isolation. What nationalism has looked like over the past 10 years or so is a more 
um, ethnic, cultural, natu- uh, nationalism, and that's because of the global. It's a, in reaction to globalization, right? I yeah. mean, so what you're seeing, like, there's a reason that people are. Um, that you see across Europe, I don't know if you remember, there's this wave of sort of far right coming in. And that far right, most of what they're doing was saying, hey, we need to preserve, preserve, preserve our what? Our culture, our heritage, our this, our that. Against whom? Against this wave of immigrants or refugees or these people coming in. And you've seen that slowly sweep. And for a while, it was like, oh, America's, that's not the way we're going to go. And then that's the way we've gone, right? And and you're this is happening across the world. So this idea of nationalism, talking about it this way, is 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 sort of taking off everywhere. It's almost a revolution that's happening. Nobody really saw it coming. And typically, the way it's expressing itself is in far right iterations, saying we need to preserve ourselves against the other who's invading. Right. Mm-hmm. So even as uh, you know, you'll see. Uh, immigrants are not talked about as immigrants anymore. They literally, the government is using the term, they're invaders, they're invading us, mm-hmm. things like that. And that's where I think you're getting that, that that I would say is a nationalistic way of describing people who are trying to come into your country. Elizabeth, I have a question for you. Can you be, can Christians be nationalistic? Like, is it okay? Is that what you're saying? Is it okay so nationalism says I take pride in my nation. That's that's a if you talk about layers of identity, mm-hmm. what you're saying is even in that conversation we had a minute ago, which was there's a thing that unites us all, and that thing is we are a part of this nation with these values. Uh, should Christians be skeptical about that idea, or should Christians embrace that idea? I think there's space for us to embrace it with thinking about it. Yeah. Um, And so I think this idea that we, I think about my friends who worked in the, who served in the military. Yep. And just have a huge amount of love for our country and huge amount of love for understanding freedom and what it means to be American. Um, And they're really strong Christians, but it's in the right order. Yeah. Um, And so I think when nationalism starts to take this ugly left turn where it's, you know, being motivated by xenophobia um, and that we start to, walk away from our Christian virtues in order to be able to prioritize um, the values of our nation state, mm. then I think we're moving into an area in which that's not what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, And so I think it's okay for us to love our country and love the shared culture that we have and take pride in that, but we should not take pride in that more than we take pride in being a Christian. And when those two things conflict, the Lord should always win. That's good. All right, let's get back into nationalism. First, uh, Adam, you asked a great question kind of about how it lines up or doesn't line up with Christianity. Do you think Christianity, like how does it have something better to offer than nationalism? I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that depend on the government or trust the nation or look to uh, the society to provide for them, or that's kind of where their safety and security kind of lie. Does, how does Christianity offer something better than that? I think at the at, there's two things. One is uh, it offers the truth, and so um, nationalism can't offer a full picture of the truth, right? The second thing I'd say is it offers an unchanging and unshakable king to worship rather than 
a nation that will fall. I mean, it, it will. Every nation has before. It would be foolish to think that the one you're a part of now, whichever one that is, is going to last forever. And um, so if you're going to pick to worship something, you might as well worship the thing that is going to last forever. And that would be our Lord and Savior, God. Uh, the second thing I'd say is that um, uh, for Christians, um, I, I don't. I think you should always, to some degree, feel a little bit orphaned by your nation and by your politics. I think it's healthy for you to understand that you are, you belong to a different kingdom. Uh, that your allegiance and citizen, citizenship belongs to a different kingdom. You're not, to Elizabeth's point, you've got to get the order of your loves correct. Yeah. And your love, your first love has to be to God, your king. Uh, and if it's not, you're going to see some really strange things and you're going to make really strange concessions to the politics around and the nation maybe that you, you belong to. Um, you know, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, what's interesting about what you're talking about is that uh, it's all true. We're citizens of heaven first, and at the same time, no one here is going to tell you you cannot both be a patriotic American and a Christian. That's right. Those things are not... like that would not make you duplicitous to be like, ah, oh, man, I'm really proud of our country. Or I really love our country, or I really want our country to do well, or I really want our government to take care of domestic issues, or even prioritize domestic issues. Those are not incongruous with following Christ. We are we have the privilege of living in a nation where the government is considered the people, and you, an American, get to have your say and who is going to govern you, and that you have representatives, not just people that are supposed to do things for you, people that are supposed to represent you as government officials. And it's great to take pride in that system and to want that system of democracy to spread where democracy doesn't exist because instead it's some oppressive state or some tyrant there and say, and I think what we have to offer you in a government system would be better than what you're currently experiencing. At the same time, those things should all be motivated or at least come subservient to the fact that you follow Jesus Christ. But if if I totally 100% agree, but my point is saying it's easy though to start to mix those two and you've got to just be careful. So if you start to say something like American lives are more valuable, right? Yeah. Uh, that's not true. Yeah. That's not true to, to our King anyways. Uh, if you start to, if you start to sort of start to look to the Bible to justify your political leanings, that can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, if you, if you start to go, man, well, the Bible says we need to treat, so you can disagree on immigration policy, hundred percent. Christians can be on both sides of the fence. What we can't disagree on is how we treat immigrants. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, it's not okay to separate families at the border. It's not. That's unchristian. That's not that's not just a policy difference. That would be an unchristian thing to do or to treat people off, you know, in an awful way to make them live in destitute conditions and things like that and say no, that's good because they're not American. Um do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. But you can start to play games in your mind to go, well, 
And and so you just have to be careful. I I love our country. I am patriotic about our country. I love everything. But my first allegiance is to is to Christ the King. Right. So, but yeah. what you're saying is because I follow Christ the King, we can't fall into the trap that easily comes along with something like nationalism that creates an us and them mentality, yes. which is very easy to slip into where us is valued, where us is good, and where them is distant or villainous. Yes. And, yep. and we can easily make uh, monsters out of them. That's right. They did this. And you'll even see this. This is really ironic. You'll see this from politicians on both sides when they campaign. They'll say, Americans didn't do this. Big business did this. And you're like, well, who's big, bi- big That's business? Right. Are Americans doing this? And we'll, we'll try to make ourselves always a hero or a victim. And then we'll try to make the them always a villain or a perpetrator. And the truth is, honestly, the truth of the gospel is that all of us have an aspect in our heart that needs to be redeemed and is broken and is in some sense monstrous. And so we cannot make only ourselves, we can't make ourselves only heroic, and we also can't make ourselves only victims, and we also can't make ourselves monsters, and we also can't make ourselves only, you know, just just fill in the blank. What we can't do is create an us and them mentality. That's right. Because we believe we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a savior, and at the end, there will be a division between goats and sheep, but that's not going to be based on your nation. It's going to be based on whether or not you have belief and faith in Jesus Christ, and our mission in the meantime, and my hope for our nation, is the truth of the gospel. Now, if the the nation becomes increasingly focused and loving of the gospel, I love that. And if we want to spread the gospel other places, I love that. But if America becomes increasingly opposed to the gospel, then I'm going to become increasingly disenfranchised with the government we have because my allegiance falls first at the heavenly throne, not at the White House and not at you know the his, the history of this country. It's in the it's in the future that I hold in heaven, mm. and in that man, America can be a great place to live and to dwell. And I don't want to take for granted all the Lord has done here, but at the same time, we don't equate prosperity with blessing. And so to say we are the richest country in the world is not to say we are the most blessed country in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, we are, a, a thank you for a version of religious freedom that we get to operate in, but blessing can even happen in the midst of adversity if we understand that blessing is the fact that Jesus Christ has come, mm-hmm. even into the darkest places, in the darkest moments, and the church is to go there. That's what it means to be the light of the world, is not to get all the lights together in one place, it's to be ready to go into the darkest places and say, here's who Christ is. Here's Make the it light plain. Need. Make it plain, Adam. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starrett and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast and follow us on Instagram. Also, you can support our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. Thanks and God bless. Thanks and God bless.